Thank you, President Mark. It's a great privilege to be with you. And uh, you also articulated uh, the theme of this uh, chapel, as well as uh, the message of the character Joseph. Joseph was a professional on mission. And so it's a blessing to be with you. Uh, it's a great privilege. I, uh, I assume I'm online here, but uh, someone can inform me if I'm not. Uh, good morning from Everett, Washington. It's uh, a little bit of a... Um, morning of crisis for me. Uh, last night, the Stanley Cup was won in Edmonton. And if you're a hockey fan, you would know that. And uh, I've been a hockey fan for 30 years of the Calgary Flames. But for my birthday 10 years ago, my son gave me a coffee mug, today being uh, National Coffee Day, for the Seattle Kraken. So I have to decide, am I going to continue supporting the Calgary Flames in my cheers for uh, the Seattle Kraken, which will have their first season next year. Let's put all those kinds of uh, thoughts aside right now, whether you're holding a coffee cup and celebrating uh, the free coffee from Tim Hortons today, or whether you're thinking about hockey or whether about the homework that is not done, just take a second and ask God to help you, help all of us to think back almost three, over 3,000 years to a character which is really a major Bible character. There, there's only seven names in, in all of the scripture that have come up more times than the name Joseph. And Joseph, of course, was not one of the patriarchs, but he was the first one after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's so much to be learned as we think of the life of Jacob or Joseph. In the tradition of prairie, let's look at it in, in an inductive way. Uh, let's observe what the scriptures are saying in Genesis 31 to 50. And I, I assume most of you have some uh, idea uh, of what went on in Joseph's life. Uh, let's take some initial observations, uh, make some interpretation. Uh, in other words, what did, does it mean? And thirdly, some applications. What can we learn uh, in the context of the 21st century? Most of us will end up in the marketplace. I don't particularly like the word secular, but I'll probably use it once or twice here. The, the secular marketplace, we will not be professional ministers. We will not be part of the clergy. Now, we all need the clergy. We respect the clergy, and I hope some of you will be professional clergy. In other words, pastors, missionaries, uh, uh, servants of God in the church, and that is so important. But most of us will end up in the secular marketplace. And, and that's where Joseph was in his career. And uh, as we think about this, I'm just going to have three points. Uh, one is uh, to do with his dreams, which, of course, are, he's well known for. One is, has to do with the, and living an integrated life. And thirdly, um, what it means to be a missional professional. And uh, then I'll close with a short three-minute video of someone today serving God in Asia with a missional business that to me is living out in the 21st century, what we can learn from uh, Joseph. <clears throat> the first point is dreams are good and important. Now, uh, I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are dreamers. They ask, why can't we do this? They project something that seems off the wall. They think of things like Facebook. Uh, they think of things like 
uh, you know, software that can do amazing things. These are the entrepreneurs of today's world. It started with a dream. And I, I, of course, the dreams of Joseph were probably more God-ordained than some of the dreams of today's entrepreneurs. Uh, Tertullian, second century um, church father, suggested that the source of dreams is with either from the enemy or it's from our own soul, expression of who we are, or it's directly from God. So as we think about dreams, the thoughts, images, emotions that may happen during sleep or may happen simply in the waking moments of our life, I think dreams are something that we can, we should and, and uh, uh, consider from their biblical history, but also the history of dreams in the world. And it's a major study that we're not going to do here. But maybe even the most simple thought was relative to dreams would be simply, what do I envision as the future? What can I dream about? And I remember studying all week at Prairie and when I was in Bible school there. And, um, and then I'd go off to the mountains for a couple of nights in camp and we'd pitch our tent and it'd be cold and it would be early spring and dream and dream about what the future could be. And here I am, 19, 20, 21 years old. And, uh, and, but almost none of those dreams ever materialized. Uh, the things that I dreamed about, a roles, a destination, where I would end up, uh, the, the type of person that I would meet for my spouse, those kinds of things the, uh, never really realized in, in their specificity. But what happened in the process of dreaming is that I began to think about what God was like, how, how I could take the principles of Scripture and apply them to the real world and wait on Him. And uh, that what I was imagining or dreaming about was transferable. So it wasn't so much dreaming. I never dreamed I would lead a school. I never dreamed I would um, be head of a mission in another country in another language. I never dreamed I would start a, a consulting group. None of that. But I dreamed and allowed God to say, no, it's not that direction, but you can pivot toward a direction that I have in mind. And um, in business, we call that the lean startup method, whereby we, 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 we look at the, the needs of the world, we try to solve a problem, we make mistakes, we try again, and we pivot, and at some point, success comes. I think the big thing about dreams, and Joseph found this to be true, is what do we do with the dreams that we have? It may be a dream directly from God. It, it could be something, and I, I, I believe that today we can dream uh, in, in, in our sleep, and it could be God giving us images and an expression of who he is and how we should serve the world. Or it could simply be, you know, off in the mountains uh, dreaming about what the future can be. What do you do with that? Uh, and I, I think the, the, where Joseph got into trouble as he be, it looked like he was a little bit arrogant about that. It looked like he was uh, uh, w wanting to create some division amongst his brothers, as he would tell it. And um, the, the telling of it to his family got him into trouble. But so, so, so that was probably the wrong thing to do. And pretty soon they were saying, oh, here comes that dreamer. And uh, <clears throat> he ended up in a cistern 
and then of course sold to the Ishmaelites and uh, sold eventually to Potiphar in uh, the country of Egypt. As we think of this whole idea, dreams are good and important, but let's be careful how we um, take those dreams and um, utilize them and think about them and express them. So Joseph had several things against him. Uh, his father spoiled him. Uh, he was favored amongst his uh, br brothers and his one sister. He had a youthful immaturity. Uh, he, he didn't learn after his first dream to kind of maybe keep things quiet. And, and, and pretty soon he was in trouble. We all make mistakes, and certainly Joseph did that, and the tough times ensued for him. I opened up my computer just this morning, and I got a three-liner from a friend who um, had just driven from Toronto down to Kansas City, and he thanked me for helping him get a business started in uh, Western India. But the business failed, and we helped uh, develop coaches for the business. We helped uh, him find investors, about 200000 to start, uh, and but tough times ensued. Legal battles over there, financial issues, a family lost a visa. And today, Clint is back in Toronto. But God used those tough times. And for you and him and me, it may be uh, physical pain or loss. It could be mistakes. It could be a situation that spirals us downward. It could be simple immaturity. Joseph was 17 in, in when we first see him in chapter 37, and uh, he, he had a lot to learn. And we, if we can understand that we all have a lot to learn, and especially if we're beginning our careers, continue to dream. And Joseph, as we see him, It's been a sad experience for him, but God has used it for the greater glory and what, he's got, what God is doing in Clint and Val's life in the, in the GTA of Toronto is an, an amazing thing today. And it's built on the tough times. There will be tough times. And uh, uh, at, the, at this point, He kept going, and he kept pivoting, and um, and so that, that's keep dreaming. Dreams are important. Uh, soul, God uses them for His glory. Times roll. I think Mark's putting that up, or or Andrew's putting it up there for you. Uh, even though they bring slavery and prison. It's, it's an amazing thing that um, Joseph made mistakes and he ended up in a slavery in Egypt. Okay, bad, bad behavior sometimes <laughs> results in bad results. But then he was very good. He, he, he obeyed his heart. He And he still ended up in prison. So living poorly can result in an inver uh, adverse uh, result. Living well can do that. And it seemed like Joseph couldn't win. Uh, and he was still in his 20s. He was still a young person. He's in his early 20s. 
And um, but uh, as he continued to live a life of integrity, God began to bless him, and God was blessing him. And but God gave him those experiences, those dreams, and those results of those dreams for a reason. Um, God's purposes in our lives can have their origin in sinful living or in righteous living, but and it isn't necessarily something that God cannot use. He can use all of these things. But let's not be too hard on Joseph. Within him was a heart for God. And uh, just like David, uh, who is a man after God's own heart, um, uh, it, it says numerous times in the, in the latter 10 chapters of the book of Genesis, the Lord was with him and he prospered. The Lord gave him success. And today, uh, you may be dreaming of the girl or the man of your dreams. You may be dreaming of graduating uh, with a dream job. And uh, man, was, was that ever amazing what uh, President Mark said about having two interviews during your senior year and how different than when I was in Bible school. But uh, I, I just think Prairie has really taken the direction of understanding what it's like to be a missional professional. Whereas in, uh, I, I first began as a, uh, a professional missionary, and that's good. Nothing wrong with that. But the majority of you must be and should be and will be uh, missional professionals, whether that be in the nursing field or in media or technical or sports or education or flying an airplane or whatever. That is to be done for the greater glory of God. So what is integrity? I, I think many of the authors when that um, uh, talk about the life of Joseph talk about him being a person of integrity. And oftentimes we think of that, well, he lived righteously. He, uh, he was truthful. He, he, um, he, he, he was honest. But the word integrity um, in its root me means wholeness. Uh, the mathematical word integer uh, some of you have a long ways from the hordes of uh, uh, 12th grade mathematics, but uh, the word integer uh, means a whole number. And the word integration means bringing together. And so Joseph lived an integrated life. And what that means in today's terminology would be his private life or our private life is the same as our public life. Monday is the same as Sunday in business or on the job. There's no dichotomy between the sacred and the secular. We live authentic, transparent, and honest life. Pretty soon, uh, there's basically six dreams in um, uh, Joseph's life in pairs of two each. And uh, it wasn't long before... Uh, he became a consultant to Pharaoh because of his experience in the prison uh, telling dreams. And it wasn't long be before Pharaoh took him on from the role of a consultant to become the second person in the whole nation of Egypt. And Joseph was not yet 30 years old. And so I'd like to just challenge you to let no man despise your youth. Uh, a couple of months ago, my wife and I went down with our, our daughters to the mouth of the Columbia River uh, and uh, learned a little bit about uh, the Lewis and Clark expedition, which wound up there in, in uh, I think it was 1805. Meriwether Lewis was in his mid-20s when President Jefferson said, I want you to lead this expedition. He was not yet 30 when he was successful. Simon Fraser 
traveled down the Peace River when he was still in his late 20s. And uh, I think of Prairie graduates, Dave and Esker Scoville, who went directly to Papua, Indonesia, New Guinea in those days, and saw 20,000 people come to Christ. The story is in my book. It's in lots of books. Uh, but the story of, of the amazing conversion of the Danny people, the Scovilles were in their 20s. And, and God uses people young, middle-aged, even when they get old like me. He, there's still some things that God can use uh, and uh, use us for. And it says repeatedly uh, for Joseph, the Lord was with him. The Lord gave him success. And, and uh, that is based on the, not on the, on the situation but it was based on the integrity uh, in Joseph's life. And, um, and so the, the important second point here is to surround our dreams or base our dreams in a life of integrity, and like Joseph did. And that's what we can learn. That's an application. That's not only an interpretation, but an application for our lives today. And then the last point, um, <clears throat> what is our ultimate calling? <clears throat> If you stop to think about it, most of the Bible characters, including Joseph, uh, in the Old Testament and many in the New, spent their careers in, here I'm going to use this word again, the secular workplace. Uh, Joseph's calling was to politics. It was to leadership. It was to government. It was to management. It was to solving people's problems. It was serving people. But it was not in a synagogue. It was not in a chapel or a temple somewhere. That could have been, and that would have been great. But uh, it's important to notice. And, and I, I, I like to base the thought for all of us as we think about where we're going with our careers in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So the Apostle Paul is saying, look, the highest part of the spiritual hierarchy is not being a professional clergy. It's not being, you know, paid to be a church person. It's not to be a missionary. That's That could be. But the most important thing is that whatever it is, you do it for the glory of God. So most of the Bible heroes lived out and modeled their faith in a non-professional setting or a missional professional. In other words, they were in a profession uh, farming, politics, the military, um, and they were missional in that setting. And, and Joseph certainly is one example of a person who lived out his faith in the marketplace. And for us, it will be the same. And even if you switch over to the book or to the uh, early chapters of um, the first century, Acts chapter 8, um, where the church was persecuted after uh, uh, Stephen's uh, um, death. And they, they left Jerusalem and went all over the then known eastern part of the Mediterranean. Um, and they, everywhere they went, they preached the word. Now, a quote from one of the many commentaries, this is Barnes Notes, he says, there's no evidence, nor is there any probability that these persons were ordained to preach. They were manifestly common Christians who were scattered by the persecution. And the meaning is that they communicated to their fellow men and women in conversation wherever they met them. That's the first century. That's the time of Joseph. And that is the, the, the way the 21st century is scheduled to go. I believe with my full heart. 
not so much an emphasis on full-time ministry, although it's important for some, but it is uh, <clears throat> an emphasis on uh, a missional profession. Billy Graham uh, was once heard of a, uh, of a prayer meeting that took place where people were praying that God would raise up the next Billy Graham. <clears throat> and this was uh, about, I think, six or eight years before he passed away. And Billy Graham responded in writing. He said, um, don't pray for the next Billy Graham. And then he said this remarkable statement, the great work of God in the 21st century will be through everyday believer living out his and her faith in the marketplace of life. And, and I believe that to be true. I believe it was true in the first century. And I believe we have the, an incredible example of that here in, in the life of Joseph. Read this quote from Dallas Willard. He says, there's truly no division between sacred and secular, except what we've created. And that is why the division of the legitimate roles and functions of human life into the sacred and secular does incalculable damage to the cause of Christ. Holy people. That's you, that's me, that's those of us who've given our life to Christ. Holy people must stop going into church work as their natural course of action and take up holy orders in farming, industry, law, education, banking, journalism, and so on, with the same zeal previously given to evangelism or to pastoral and missionary work. Now, he's not negating pastoral work, and that is one of the professions, and God has, has caused certain people to be wired in that direction. But he's also wired some people to be engineers. He's wired some people to be nurses. He's wired some people to, to, to make this program go off without a hitch because of media expertise and interest in calling and then wiring. He's, some, he's wired some people for sports and athletics. And all of those things are ways to give glory to God and, um, and uh, bring him to the unreached. Martin Luther said many years before now, 500 years ago, mon monastic vows rest on the false assumption that there is a special calling, a vocation, to which superior Christians are invited to observe the counsels of perfection, while ordinary Christians fulfill only the commands. But there is no special religious vocation since the call of God comes to each in the common task. Oskines said, our primary calling is to God, to him and for him. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew word avodah is the same translation in the, in the Old Testament for work, worship, and service. So in our work, we worship. In our work, we serve. Bonnie Wurzbacher, uh, vice president of, um, she former vice president of uh, Coca-Cola, says, I became a victim of thinking that you have to find meaningful work. If there is meaningful work, then there is non-meaningful work. And if there is meaningful work, it's full-time Christian work. Well, I've learned and now would argue that for-profit work is equally meaningful because the actual work itself glorifies God. We, and then she went on to say, we don't derive meaning from our work, rather we bring meaning to our work. And she goes on to remind us that God is a God of work. He created man with a work purpose, to care for the garden, to name things, to be fruitful and multiply, and we call that the creation mandate. Mandate. Thus, work gives us a way to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. It brings us into contact with people. We can draw people to conversations through work done excellently. We honor God with a work well done.
a good friend of mine, Mats Tunahug, uh, a Swedish national and leader in the BAM movement, uh, said if God, he once I spoke in a rather large public gathering and he said, if God has called you to be a marketplace person, don't stoop to be a pastor. And of course, everybody's kind of, you know, grimacing and wondering who let this guy on the stage. And, and, and after they'd recovered, he said, and if God has called you to a, be a pastor, don't stoop to be a marketplace or a business person. So the key thing here is, is to see what, where has God brought us through the results of our dreams, through the integrity that we've been living through life. Where has he brought us? Who Joseph would never have prophesied that he was to be uh, number two command in Egypt and solve the problems of the then known world at that time. But, but, but God took him one step at a time. And God, he, he was committed to service and committed to obedience. And God brought him to that place. There's an interesting little story when President Kennedy was um, uh, touring the, the Space Center in, um, in um, uh, I think it was in Cape Canaveral. And he, he, the tour guide took him down a little, uh, little um, um, uh, a hallway, and it was the wrong hallway. And pretty soon he came to a stop when they were going to turn around, and he came face to face with a janitor who was cleaning the halls. And uh, Kennedy stopped, and he addressed the janitor and asked him, what he was doing, and the, the, the gentleman responded, Mr. President, I'm helping put a man on the moon. So he saw the big picture. He saw what, and, and in our spiritual eyes, we see what God is doing. The story, the story of Joseph is um, a story of amazing principles that we can learn, but I think maybe the biggest thing we can take from away from the life of Joseph is, is, is this whole idea that um, we... We have life choices. We have careers ahead of us. We have, let's be committed to integrity and faith at work and to a life of work for the glory, greater glory of God. I'm going to close with a little a three minute video. Uh, I think we have time for that. Um, it, it's for a friend of mine, uh, friends of mine, Ryan and Sandy, who were, were very much like you and me at, in our early 20s. What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to live? And they went to China spent two years with crew and um, came back uh, and, and said, what do we, what's the next step? And they had no idea. And, and God was working in Ryan's life to, as to how God had wired him. And uh, he was discovering that God had wired him uh, for business and for entrepreneurship. And he went back to China and started this business, which you're going to see right now. The dream was rocky as he dreamed of serving God to the max, but he was based, he based his steps on a life of integrity, knowing that God would be with him and not knowing where the future would hold and realizing there was no hierarchy, but um, God would, he would give God the glory no matter what happened. And this is simply a person like you and me with no big history, not, no, not lots of money, simply walking a life of faith like Joseph in modern day China. Go, go ahead, Andrew. Manufacturing here for the last 10 years. We're
we're a company that strives to be unique OEM supplier to our clients to help them grow through being an all-purpose manufacturer for them from textile-based products to plastic injection molding. We provide a lot of different services for our clients and we even try to offer uh, logistics and delivery services. Sometimes we serve as an international warehousing facility for our clients, allowing them to have us manufacture their full product line and then handle direct shipping to dealerships in Australia and Europe and Asia and the US, wherever they might have those. And this is actually what gets me excited. Developing a business model that has a strategic ministry focus that is allowing us to use our business to get into some of the most challenging uh, places uh, in the world. We still love it. We love the food, we love the people, we love the culture. We love the fact that every day we're able to do something new and exciting. We're able to speak into people's lives and make a difference. Here, I have so many opportunities to speak to people. Like back home, you say, oh, I'm a Christian, and suddenly the doors close completely. But here, you say, I'm a Christian, and they say, oh, really? Well, what does that mean? What do you believe? What do you do? At our business, it's very uncommon for someone to be working here for three months and not having some exposure to, to who Christ is, whether that be through some of the language we use at uh, some of our company meetings and trainings or through scripture that we post around the company for encouragement or just through employee-to-employee -employee interaction. It's so different from a company where they don't believe in Jesus. You see regularly how the boss relates to employees with lots of grace. I heard there was two foreigners that were the boss. They seemed so different, so full of joy. So I said, okay, I'll go ahead and work here. Through all the years of doing business here, there's certainly been a lot of, a lot of challenges and a lot of uh, difficulties. But what's really kept me going, um, we've seen some wonderful things happen in the, in the lives of our employees, in, in the lives of our suppliers we work with. And by extension, uh, some of the communities that we're expanding into. We're cooperating with locals in a very natural way to start trade offices for our business in other areas and other regions of this country and other countries where we're going to be able to, and currently are, placing our local staff with strong business training, with ministry training, into these environments where they can both be successful business leaders and just live amongst the people there and interact with them and influence them for Christ. God is taking his hand and wrapping it around our company to throw out his love to everyone.